Well, welcome again to Life Church today. As Pastor Ryan said, my name is Dustin Johnston, one of the pastors here on staff. I direct Life Leader. Thank you. Yes. Okay. This is good. Uh, good start. Let's carry this energy all the way through the message. Um, I'll expect all of your complete attention, no one on your phone, no one asleep, especially uh, with this kind of energy. Uh, Labor Day weekend, we're so glad that you're here. Um, we are concluding our summer highlight series where we've been going through just various highlighted verses or stories in our, in our Bibles over the last uh, few weeks. Today, we're concluding that series. And I want to begin with a quote from Dallas Willard. He used to be a philosophy professor and a philosopher known for his great Christian writings on spiritual formation. He was asked what he thought was the greatest enemy to the Christian's spiritual life. And this is what he said. He said, hurry is the great enemy of the spiritual life in our day. Hurry. In other words, he thinks it is the speed at which we live our lives that has the greatest potential to devastate our spiritual lives. Get this, it's not drugs, it's not alcohol. We like to pin it on some of those things every once in a while. It's not greed, it's not pride or depression. It's not identity issues or even politics. It's hurry. And then he added this, he said, you must ruthlessly eliminate hurry from your life. And I think he might be onto something here. Because when I read the Bible, I rarely, never see Satan showing up with a pitchforks, a pitchfork, a horns, and a cape trying to tempt people to do what he wants them to do. He's often a lot more subtle than we give him credit for. I think he often maybe shows up uh, or we experience his influence in the form of a crowded calendar or a day filled with meetings, or another notification to your smartphone, or another baseball game on Sundays, or just the nonstop list of errands that never seem to, to go away. We run around trying to do this and this and this and that, and when we finally do get home, the temptation is just to Netflix binge, or uh, to just go into a, a coma just to wake up the next morning already exhausted, ready to do it all over again. That's kind of how we live our lives. Corey Ten Boom said, if the devil can't make you sin, he'll make you busy. <laughs> I think there's a lot of truth to this. And I think we're, we're, we're all feeling that, especially as we have, within this last week or two, or maybe we're just about to move into this new fall season of life, it is often completely stacked with a, a, a list of to-do, to-dos, or, 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 or our schedule, our calendar is so filled up, and we're so busy, and we go, 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 and it's an incredibly hard uh, spiral to escape from. Sin and busyness can really have the same effect on your soul. They cut off your connection to God. They distance you from people that you love and have relationship with. And they cause you to feel weary and guilty. I think to some degree we can all relate to this. We either have been or are currently in or maybe we're about to be in seasons of busyness where we go, go, go. And maybe for a little bit, it makes us feel good because we're accomplishing things, especially in America today. We, we do and we accomplish. And, and it, like we are in a, a day and age where you work overtime hours day after day after a day and we applaud you for that rather than mourn with you what that might possibly be doing to your soul. 
causes exhaustion and weariness, hinders our relationship, it affects our church attendance and our mood. So we push these things under the rug to deal with another day and we never get to that other day. So it builds up and it builds up and builds up until we absolutely crash. We, uh, we have forgotten in our culture how to, how to breathe. So I want to share with you a message today called Breathing Room, where we try to recapture this lost sacred art of breathe. When's the last time you've taken a deep breath and just been able to sit there without having to worry about what comes next? I know this sounds mystical, but it's actually a biblical concept that God created. Breathing room is when you don't have to drive 90 miles per hour everywhere that you go. Breathing room is where you can actually sit down to have a meal around a table rather than carry out or fast food for the fourth night in a row. Breathing room is where you have a margin in your life, where you actually have money left over at the end of the month. Breathing room it's not some like miraculous sacred thing that only a few get to attain in life. Breathing room is actually how God designed your life to be in the first place. And since then, we've really managed to mess it up. My prayer today is that we could reclaim the ability to... You want to do that with me? Let's breathe. Come on. And let it out or you'll pass out. I'm going to read one text. It's Matthew chapter 11, verses 28 through 30. We're going to stay right there. We're going to dig in deep on Matthew chapter 11, verses 28 through 30, and hear the words of Jesus. And see what he has to say to us about breathing room today. Matthew chapter 11, verses 28 through 30. If you don't have your Bibles, the words will be on the screen. Jesus says this. Come to me. All you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. It's a simple verse. You probably heard it before. But it is this revolutionary countercultural invitation from Jesus to live our lives in such a way that combats stress, that resists anxiety, and it allows us to travel at a pace that allows us to breathe. In this message today, I want to give you three self-assessing questions that you can write down, but more than that, you can ask yourself to really gauge how you're doing and whether or not you have breathing room in your life. So I'd encourage you this morning to not only write these down, but to actually ask yourself these questions and to sit with these questions and to sit with the answers and to figure out where you might need to address, what you might need to tweak in your schedule so that you and I can once again reclaim what Jesus intended for us to have all along, breathing room. Number one, the first question that you can ask yourself is this, is my pace draining my peace? You can write that down. Is my pace draining my peace? I've heard it uh, described before that breathing room, a definition for breathing room is this, the space in between your pace 
and your limits. That, that breathing room is the space in between your pace, how fast you're going, and your limits, how fast you're able to go. And when the space between your pace and your limits lessens, then you are in trouble. You can only do that for so long before you crash. In other words, as your, as your pace increases, your peace decreases. And for many of us, there is no space between our pace and our limits. In fact, for a lot of us, our pace far exceeds our limits. You've been just barely scraping by on reserves for months or maybe even years now, and so you find yourself peaceless. I want to I want to share with you seven signs that your pace might be unsustainable. They're not going to be on the screens, and this is not a conclusive list, but I do want to share with you seven signs, and I want you to self-assess and say, which of these seven um, am I afflicted by? Which of these seven do I deal with on a regular basis? I'm not going to ask you necessarily to share. This is for your own personal, you know, checklist, but seven signs that your pace might be unsustainable. Number one is irritability. This is self-assessment, not spouse assessment, not friend assessment, not child assessment. This is self-assessment, okay? Do not look at anybody but me. Irritability. This is, this little things annoy you. I'm serious. Do not look at one another. That is not going to help with anything. Irritability means that, you know, it's the little things that annoy you. Maybe you fly off the handle at the smallest of provocations. It's just... It might be something simple, but it's the end of your rope, and so it causes everything to just fall apart. It's irritability. You know, you know if that's true about you. Number two, restlessness. You just can't relax. Your brain always seems to be going. You, you, you lie down in your bed to sleep at night, and that's not what happens for 10 minutes, 15 minutes, 30 minutes, an hour, two hours. It's difficult for you to ever, ever stop. You're always on your phone. You toss and turn all throughout the night. You wake up way before the alarm ever goes off. You're restless. Number three, workaholism. Another meeting, another hour, another task. You've got to be careful again because our society actually pitches this as a really good thing. We, we pat you on the back, maybe even give you a pay increase while you're falling apart inside because uh, while we call this hustle, it could actually kill your relationship and it poisons your soul. Workaholism. Hey, hard work is good. Having a good work ethic is excellent, but workaholism can be detrimental to your soul. Number four, emotional numbness. Emotional numbness. Um, just everything is gray. <laughs> uh, everything is bland. You kind of don't really have any high highs. You don't necessarily have many low lows. You're just kind of mm, there. Just numb to, to any stimuli that might be around you or even within you. You just have this flat feeling or you're completely unfeeling the majority of the time. Number five, neglect of health. You don't have time to care for your physical needs much anymore. You have stopped working out a long time ago. You have stopped going on walks a long time ago. Uh, maybe you're getting five hours of sleep at night instead of the recommended eight. You never eat at home. You're always eating out. It's a neglect of, of your health. Number six is escapist behaviors. So you overeat, 
you overdrink, you, it's nonstop Netflix. You know, we've already talked about that and it doesn't just have to be Netflix. It could be Disney, it could be Hulu Plus, it could be Amazon, it could be any of those things, but it's just nonstop. It's, it's as long as you can disconnect your mind, you're doing okay. As long as you can escape. Number seven is just a, sli- a slippage of spiritual practices. Number seven, a slippage of spiritual practices. So your personal time with God is not what it used to be. You're you're not really spending much time in prayer anymore. And when you try, it's just, uh, there's nothing there. Maybe you've been skipping church a lot more recently. In fact, maybe this is your first time back in a long time. And no one's told me, maybe unless it's God. I'm just saying that like your spiritual practices have begun to slip. Here's seven. It's not all of them. I'll go through them quickly one more time without descriptions, just the the name of them. And I want you to check how many of these do you think... um, describe your your life right now. Irritability, restlessness, workaholism, emotional numbness, neglect of health, escapist behaviors, and slippage of spiritual practices. All right, let's be honest today. How many of you have at least three of those symptoms? Would you raise your hand? At least three of those symptoms. Would you be honest today? Okay, good majority of us. How many have at least five? Would you raise your hand? Just be honest. Okay. All right, that's fine. You can put your hand down. This is not to shame you. I'm not going to go more than that. (laughs) Some of you are like, all seven? I've got eight somehow as you look at your list. I, I, I don't want to humiliate you. I don't want to cause you to feel more guilt than probably what you already feel. That is not my goal today. But what I do want to accomplish, at least in this moment, is when we raise our hands, you weren't alone. You're not the only one that is struggling with this. You saw people all around this room, especially with three and and, and a good amount with five that are struggling with and dealing with some of the same things that you are. You are not alone. You are human. It is human and it is natural to experience some of these things. But I do hope that you and I can be okay with not being okay, but that we can say we don't want to stay that way that we need to do something about it, that it's not okay to be in this perpetual state. Acknowledge that I have a problem, but that if it goes unchecked, it can ruin my relationship with others, my relationship with myself, and most importantly, my relationship with God. So something needs to be done. You see, a lifestyle of hurry and a lifestyle of love are incompatible. That's why, that's why Christians can't live and be consumed by hurry and hustle. It's not okay for the Christian because Jesus says the whole point of the Christian life is to be one of love. The entire Christian life is all about God's love so filling us up that it spills out and impacts the lives of others. And if we are so consumed by hurry and we don't have breathing room, then we're unable to love others, God and ourselves in the way that God intended in the first place. Chronic busyness will poison everything that you hold dear. Your spirituality, your health, your love life, your marriage, your sex life, your parenting abilities, your creativity, it will affect and pollute every single one of those areas. Christian author John Ortberg said this, for most of us, the great danger is not that we will renounce our faith, it is that we will become so distracted and rushed and preoccupied that we will settle for a a mediocre version of it. We will just skim our lives instead of actually living them. So 
How do you and I recalibrate so that we are emotionally healthy and spiritually alive and have the capacity to breathe? We've got to have breathing room for our souls to flourish. It's a sustainable pace and a Sabbath rhythm to our lives that we have to create. That's why Jesus gives this beautiful invitation to his followers. Could you throw it up on the screen again, the verses? I want to read them to you again. And listen this time. The last time we read them, now we know that he's talking to us. Listen to Jesus' words for you today. Come to me, all who are weary and burdened. Have you ever felt that way before? Weary and burdened. Do you feel that way now? Come, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. Supplies to every single one of us this morning, no matter your age or background, if you're a stressed out student, if you're a single mom, If you're a businessman that is successful by all of the standards of the world, but you're just barely hanging on, Jesus says, come to me and I will give you rest. I want to give you breathing room. I want to show you a whole new way to do this life. Take my yoke up on you. Learn from me and you will find rest for your souls. How are we doing? We good? We still breathing? (laughs) All right, that was just question number one. Question number two that we should ask ourselves today is this, and it's my favorite question. And it's phrased in a way that I know grammatically probably doesn't make sense, but I love it. Is my yoke broke? Is my yoke broke? I think it should probably be, is my yoke broken? I'm not an English major, but is my yoke broke? Sounds a lot better. Is my yoke broke? That's the question that you need to ask yourself. It's a silly phrased question, but it's one that can help us get to the heart of the matter. Our pace might be outperforming our, our limits because we have a broke yoke. All right, how many of you are familiar with what a yoke actually is? I know it's not a word that we kind of throw around uh, much. Some of you are. Um, a, a yoke was used uh, to, to go across most likely two animal, often oxen, and uh, it, it would serve two purposes. It was this kind of like wooden bar that would go across their necks and it would serve kind of two purposes back in the early days of farming. One, it, it helps to set the pace of the animal so that one can't run too fast ahead of the other. It keeps them in line with one another. And secondly, it distributes the weight evenly so that the two animals are shouldering the weight together. So Jesus, in using this illustration of a yoke, he's saying, take my yoke up on you, hitch yourself up to me, shoulder to shoulder, and I'm going to teach you a whole new way to walk with God. I'm going to set the pace for you. I am going to help you carry the load of your life so that no matter what it is, money, sex, work, family, I'll show you the best way to bear the weight and the things that you are experiencing in your life. And it's going to be difficult at times and it's going to feel heavy at times, but it will never crush the life out of you because I'm carrying this weight with you. This is what Jesus is saying in his illustration of the yoke. But not only is he saying that, he says, my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Easy and light, the opposites of hard and heavy. Easy and light for the Jewish believer during this time where Jesus is saying this would have really stood out to them because their lives were not 
easy and light, especially their religious practices. You understand they had like 613 laws and obligations, commandments to abide by on a regular basis. So when they heard Jesus say, easy and light, catches their attention. They're like, I want that. (laughs) Easy and light, that sounds good. And Jesus is saying to us today, hey, if you hitch yourself up to me, if you follow at the, the pace that I set and you let me help you carry the load, I will give you breathing room. You will have margin in your life. You will find rest for your soul. I'll help you break the chronic chains of busyness over your life, pathological achievement and unhealthy addiction if you just take my yoke upon you. But here's the problem. So many of us are yoked to the wrong things. We're yoked to the wrong things. We're yoked to people and to philosophies and to programs that will cause us to run at an unhealthy pace. And get this, we're all different. Like, your pace is different than my pace. My pace is different than your pace. Iron sharpens iron, but if I yoke myself to you and you to me in that kind of way, then I... I'm going, to necessarily, I'm going to be able to run faster than you in some ways and you faster than me in others. And so um, it, it's going to be this unsteady, unhealthy thing. And then I'm comparing my successes and failures to your successes and failures. And often we only see on social media. So we only see someone's highlight reel and then we're comparing our entire life to their highlight reel. You see how this just continually breaks down. Our yoke is broke. We're doing ourselves a disservice, setting ourselves up for failure so we get down on ourselves when we're not able to uh, perform as much or, 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 or go as long as someone else when we were never meant to do that in the first place. This is why it is imperative that we link ourselves up with Jesus who knows your perfect pace. Jesus knows how fast you can go and he will, he'll, he'll load you up, but he'll, he'll help carry that load. He will help carry that burden. He will expect a lot out of you but it will never crush you. Remember, his yoke is easy and his burden is light. Today, Jesus is graciously offering you his yoke to limit your speed, to redistribute the weight and to let God help with the pace of your life. So number one, the question that you're asking yourself is, is my pace, is my pace draining my peace? The second question, is my yoke broke? And the third and final self-assessing question that you're asking yourself today is this. Are my habits his? Are my habits his? Let's look at the verse one more time. Come to me, all who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart. If you want the life of Jesus, you have got to adopt the lifestyle of Jesus. You've got to imitate the habits of Jesus. And I want to, I want to challenge you. It's really as easy as this. I know it's not that easy, but read the Gospels and take note of the behaviors, the characteristics, and the attributes of Jesus. And then emulate those. 
If you don't see behaviors, characters, and attributes there, then don't emulate those. Cut those out of your life. If you want to adopt the lifestyle of Jesus, read about the life of Jesus in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and see the habits that Jesus developed that helped him stay deeply connected to his father, to help him understand God's plan for his life and to have this incredible pace in his life and to be able to find this joy in the midst of complete opposition to his way of life life and to his teachings. I love when you go into, I love a few things about the New Testament in particular. One is that Jesus was most often found around a table lounging and eating with his friends. So that's healthy. I know Pastor Aaron would preach that part really well. Yeah, He always likes to talk about that. But another thing is that Often right after Jesus did impressive miracles or he taught for the multitudes, he went away. Catch that. Almost every single time he went out on a boat and it it straight up says in scripture to get away from the people. Like it doesn't try to sugarcoat it. It's like he needed needed his me me time. He, He needed to get away. And he did. He had this incredible pace that we could learn from. As you read through the gospels, what did Jesus do to practice this unhurried way of living? I want to give you three quick things that, um, th- that could all be their own sermon, so we're not going to spend much time on, on any of these. But, um, but the, these are practices that Jesus developed in, in, in his regular schedule. The first is really two-parter, silence and solitude. How many of you look at your phone first thing in the morning? That, that, is, that is a way to, to not have solitude. That is the way to not have peace because you're immediately inundated with all of the negative news that happened overnight. This jump starts your day with fear and anxiety. Listen, Jesus was busy, but he wasn't frazzled because he practiced silence and solitude, which centered him and brought clarity to his agenda every day. He spent time with his father in prayer. He spent time out on, on the boats. He spent time in silence and solitude. Another thing is Sabbath. It's a word that we've used before. You think maybe Sunday is your Sabbath. For some of you, maybe it is. But for others of you, it's not. It's just another day to get more things done. But a Sabbath is a period of time to stop what you're doing, to disrupt the day-to-day flow of your busy life and to, try, and to find true rest and delight. Simplicity is the third thing. This is not the current trend of minimalism. Don't worry, you don't have to like get an RV and uh, do like tiny living or whatever they call that thing. Uh, uh, you don't have to do that. That's not what it is. Um, if that's you, great. But this is, this is uh, just a matter of decluttering your life. <laughs> Focusing on what really matters. It, it was Jesus that said, don't worry about the things that you'll eat or drink or about what you'll wear. Life is more than these things. As life is more than the new car or the best clothes or the smartphone. Life is more important than those things. Those things aren't bad, but when those things have you. Jesus lived a life of simplicity. These three practices of Jesus, silence and solitude, Sabbath and simplicity, are the keys to living a life like Jesus, to developing habits that are like his. Again, read the Gospels when you have some time and, and ask, ask the question as you go through, are my habits his? Does my way of living line up with Jesus' way of living? And finally, I love this. Jesus describes himself as gentle and humble. This is my, probably my favorite part of the whole thing. Gentle and humble. 
Does that describe you? It's interesting that when we look at the successful people in our world today, the business oligarchs, gentle and humble are rarely the words that define those kinds of people. In fact, many would see that as a weakness. Yet Jesus could have said any words right here, could have given any descriptions right here, and he gave two, gentle and humble for himself. Two qualities. The model of our success in our context and in our culture is never defined by these two things, but these are the two qualities that Jesus says that you'll need if you'll want to find true rest. So are you weary today? <laughs> are, you, um, are, are you burdened by the things of life? If you are, it's okay. You're in good company, but you cannot stay there. You can only do that for so long. And it is negatively affecting and impacting your life. And maybe God brought you here today to be reminded of Jesus' words to the weary and burdened. God doesn't want you to live a life of stress and anxiety and constant busyness. He wants to give you rest and he's saying, come to me. Come and, and spend time with me. Learn from me and you will find a new pace. You will develop these habits in your life that build you up as you say goodbye to the old ones. You can say hello to these new ones. <laughs> Listen, Jesus is saying, come to me today. And that's all you have to do. You have to, you have to step his way. You have to acknowledge and admit that this is, that my life has been unsustainable, that the way that I've been running is unsustainable. You need to come to Jesus. Lay down the things that you've been carrying and yoke yourself up to the one who would guide you, lovingly lead you into life everlasting, not just in the eternity to come, but in the here and now. I just felt this in this moment. I think some of us are just like, we're longing for eternity, which is a good thing, but for the wrong reasons. We're just kind of getting through the hell that is now so that we can get to the heaven that is then. When Jesus said, my kingdom has come, here and now, let it be done on earth as it is in heaven. Let's, Jesus wants to meet you now and give you a life to the full now. You don't have to wait for it then. Jesus wants to meet you where you are now and he doesn't want you to go through life day by day, weary and burdened and exhausted. He wants to fill you with life everlasting. So a little bit of addition and subtraction. What, what is one thing that you need to add to your life? And what is one thing you need to subtract from your life? That's, that's how you can apply this as you leave these doors today. About to go on Labor Day weekend. You didn't know we were gonna get this series today, right? What are you going to add and what are you going to subtract? You've gotta do something. Maybe some of you need to add time with your wife, extra time with your wife or your spouse this week. Maybe for some of you, you need to restart devotion time. Or maybe some of you need to go on vacation. And then what is one thing you need to subtract? Is it TV at night? Unhealthy food, email alerts straight to your phone? Add and subtract, answer these two questions and then do it. And as you do, I believe that your habits will begin to align with his and your pace will begin to get more sustainable as you yoke yourself up with Jesus and walk at the pace that he designed for you to walk.
God, we come to you in this moment. And we are, we are a broken, weary, worn out people. God, our hearts are restless until they find their rest in you. So as we enter into this fall, I pray that you would help us to find breathing room. Forgive us for being people of speed and give us the desire to learn from Jesus the healthy, helpful habits that are his and to align our lives with him. He created us. You, God, created us. You know what pace we need to run at. So today, forgive us for our sins. Forgive us for trying to do this too long and forgive us for having imperfect and impure ideas of what this even looks like in the first place. Pray that as we move forward from this moment, we would be able to develop more healthy, helpful habits. And that we would be able to be the people of love for ourselves, for others, and for you that you designed us to be. Bring us peace today as we come to you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 